love them, you hate them, and you can't stop talking about them. Announcers, analysts, pundits, they're all fair game. It's Sports Media Mayhem with Alex Reamer. Time to let it rip. And welcome back to the Sports Media Mayhem podcast. As I was saying in the open, uh, we always like to have some odyssey, cross-promotion, cross-pollination here. Jesse Pantusco is a writer on our central team for Odyssey Sports and writes a lot about sports media. Jesse, how are you? Welcome to the podcast. I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Excited to be here. Yeah, no, excited to talk to you. As I said, always good to uh, get a couple get a couple Odyssey guys together here. Um, so let's just start here. And this has been a huge topic all postseason. I've written about it. Always gets crazy reaction. Tony Romo is one of the most polarizing broadcasters going today. Um, in general, what have you thought about his performance this postseason, which, uh, as you know, has garnered a lot of reaction, much of it vitriolic. Yeah, it's interesting because a few years ago he was so popular when he, you know, first broke onto the scene with CBS and now Twitter sort of ganging up on him with the funny noises he makes and uh, his analysis. You know, I, I still, I still like how positive he is. And I think may, maybe some people, have like a different approach that they think it's phony or whatever. But like, even back when like John Gruden was doing Monday night football, I appreciated how much like you could tell that he loved the game. Right. So I'm, I'm definitely not out on Romo. I, I understand some of the criticisms and and they are valid. What I first liked about him, what he, what he started out, he did a lot of the Romo Stradamus thing. Right. I, I always go back to that chiefs patriots afc championship Me too. Yep, i wrote about that this week exactly yeah, yep. the fourth quarter and overtime where he just predicted every throw brady was gonna do to Gronk yes. or edelman that was yep. that was amazing i feel like you don't see that quite as much and last week he sort of had the on-air blooper where it seemed like he was like eating which <laughs> was kind of kind of weird but you know uh i'm i don't have any like strong strong opinions on romo i'm rooting for him uh, i think he's a nice enough guy Oh, yeah. No, he definitely seems nice, and his enthusiasm, uh, I think, is palpable. Um, but, you know, I think the big issue with him is, and it's a contrast with Greg Olson, who was so good in the fourth quarter of Cowboys 49ers, so on top of the action. And I think the big thing with Romo is, you mentioned when he first started, the Rome Stradamus, that AFC title game, was crazy. I mean, just embarrassing the Chiefs left and right. Like, he knew what was going on. They had no idea. But you also have to remember that when Romo, you know, Back then, 17, 18, he was so recently removed from his playing career. He knew the defenses. He knew the coaches. He knew the players from all of his firsthand experience. Now I think that we're six, seven years removed from his playing career. That's changed. He doesn't know all the players anymore. He doesn't know all the defenses. And I think that to stay on top of things, you have to really study and really put in the work, which I don't think he had to do early on because, as I said, he was so recently removed from his playing career. And now I think, frankly, it's apparent that he's not putting in the work because I think, as you said, we get less of that real actual analysis and more noises and shtick. That's just my read on it. Yeah, I I think it's also just an exposure thing, and he's just not not the new guy anymore. So we've had like four or five years now and you know he's not the novelty that he once was I think what we're looking for in good broadcasters that and it was you mentioned Greg Olson that he does a good job of and it's something that Roma's still good at is he brings a lot of energy and positivity without but while still sounding genuine 
mm-hmm. but also providing, you know, smart analysis, which Olson did a really good job of uh, absolutely in the, in the fourth quarter of that, that Cowboys 49ers game. And you don't want it to sound gimmicky, but yeah, there's, you know, anytime a guy's around long enough, we've, we've seen criticisms of people that think that Collinsworth shtick is yeah. a little over the top and that, you know, he's, he's favoring Patrick Mahomes too much. Yeah. And, and just, just, you know, when we see the, the more we see of these guys, I think, I think we pick up on their tendencies and habits and totally. they might start to annoy us a little bit. I know Al Michaels got absolutely annihilated for his sort of seeming lack of energy with, with Tony Romo on that Saturday night chiefs yeah. or I'm sorry, chargers Jaguars games where uh, just didn't seem like he wanted to be there. I, I don't know if it was just that he's had a lot of, kind of brutal Amazon games this year. And the first time he comes back to NBC, he gets what seems like it's going to be a snoozer with that, like 27, nothing first half, but he should have, you know, amped up the energy and he just kind of didn't for what was this all time comeback. Um, So, yeah, I think, I think there's a lot of different factors, um, you know? Yeah. No, no, that that's totally right. I mean, we love to crap on broadcasters. Every, everyone thinks they can do it, really, is what it comes down to. Um, I would also say Al Michaels is 78, and I think that it would be perfectly reasonable if at 78 years old, uh, he's just not as enthusiastic about the job as he was in the past, right? I think that probably explains Al Michaels. Yeah, he's kind of just doing NBC a favor, right? He's right. like an emeritus status after yeah. they basically pushed him out for Tariqa last year. Right. Anyway. Probably so, better about that too. And they, you know, they didn't do, do him any favors pairing him with a, a low, sort of a low energy guy like uh, Dungy, who I think is better suited for, you know, studio and like pre and post game work. Dungy's, I think he's awful in any role. Um, I don't think he's said anything valuable in his entire time at NBC. And it's been quite a while. Um, I want- how problematic he can be with some of his, uh, oh. you know, tweets that he's had to apologize. That's for. brutal. I know. And like the Demar at the March for Life rally, even bring up Demar Hamlin. At one point last week, I said, like, is Dungey, is he trying to get fired? Like that was that was it was very strange. Very kind of like a weak apology too. It was like a tweet of like a screen grab of a text he sent somebody. Yeah. I don't know. It was it was very strange. He didn't, he didn't even do the notes app that like most celebrities do when they're doing an apology. It was like a a screen grab of a text, which is kind of weird. But yeah, it, it was very strange. Doesn't look um, like he's going to face any real consequences for it either. So no. And my thing on Dungy is, and I write about a lot this a lot on Outsports, my other gig. Um, you know, I think that at this point, I don't. I'm not in favor of people losing their jobs for their political beliefs or beliefs on social issues because the truth is. Your views on same-sex marriage has nothing to do with your ability to analyze the NFL. But I think with Dungy, his rhetoric is so extreme. And especially that tweet last week, uh, kids identifying as cats, using litter boxes, just, you know, this grotesque conspiracy theory. I do think it's fair to ask NBC, you know, are you okay with this guy being one of the faces of your NFL coverage, given how vocal he is? And frankly, he's very extreme views, as that tweet last week would show. That, that would be my argument about Dungy. Yeah, he's this guy that we've always always kind of viewed as like a father figure and like a really nice guy, a very, you know, religious uh, man. Um, so it was, it was definitely sort of an ugly side of him to see that week. And I think, you know, it would have been nice to see NBC address it directly instead of this sort of half-hearted apology. But, you know, I guess it is what it is. Yeah. What do you think about Tom Brady? Do you think that... Uh... When he comes to Fox, if first of all, do you think we'll ever see Tom Brady 
call an NFL game for Fox. I'm like sort of starting to doubt it. I don't like, it's crazy that he wouldn't because they're, you know, without him having any experience in that role, we have no idea if he'd be any good at it or not. They're already giving him more than he made as a player, 375 million. That's a lot of money to just leave on the table. Um, But I think we've seen Greg Olson a couple of years now and he's, he's pretty good at it. So it would kind of stink to, 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 you know, demote him to that, that uh, second team at Fox when he's been so good. And Brady's last couple of years have sort of done his public image, no favors. And yeah, I, I, I don't know how he's going to be as uh, a media personality. We've seen him sort of venture into that realm, but everything he does is so, so scripted, you know, kind of rehearsed and staged yeah. like, like that podcast moment the other oh. day with, with Jim Gray, which seemed totally fake and, so and cheesy. Set up. And that's the type of job where I know, I think we kind of want to see like what your real personality is. And he's been so guarded and sort of presenting, you know, this persona that he, that he wants you to, to see. So I, I don't know. I have my doubts about it. Uh, we'll see. It's obviously the trend in sports media is just to, you know, jam a, a broadcast with as many big names and celebrities as possible and sort of work out the rest later finding out if Brady's any good at it. Um, so it'll be interesting to see that unfold. I don't think that's, I mean, I think, I don't think Brady's going to retire this year. So I think that's still mm-hmm. another year or two down the road uh, at least. Yeah. And I said it last week on the show. At that point, you know, Greg Olson will have cemented himself and, you know, Brady will have lost interest or want to do something else. Well, right. And that's what I was talking about on the show last week. It is telling to me that Fox does not reportedly does not plan to use Brady on its Super Bowl coverage this year. And like you said, you know, I think Tom Brady's star is already kind of fading. I mean, I don't think there's a I don't think there's nearly as much interest in Brady as there was two, three years ago when he was going through his first free agency run. And like you said, I think overexposure has a lot to do with it. Um, so we'll see about that. And I think that Greg Olson is a great example of the fact that look, like you don't have to be the biggest name to be a great analyst. He is a very good analyst. And not, and the proof is in the ratings, right? So ESPN this year, of course, had Joe Buck and Troy Aikman calling Monday Night Football, and it did give Monday Night a quote-unquote big-time feel. And I think, by the way, they're an excellent duo. But the ratings this year for Monday Night Football were actually worse than they were last year because the games were worse, right? I mean, so it's 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 simple. Like, broadcasters do not attract ratings. And, you know, I think Fox is going to, Learn that with Tom Brady. That's if the dirty Brady. secret about all of this, that they're spending, you know, especially this last year with Al Michaels defecting to Amazon and Kirk Herbstreet working this insane schedule at both ESPN. Um, you know, there's just throwing so much money at broadcasters. Would Troy Aikman get like 90 million from ESPN? Yeah, and it's sort of just, you know, it sort of doesn't matter because people are going to tune in anyway. So, you know, you I don't, People, it was interesting at the time to see all these big names, but I don't, if you can pay Greg, Greg Olson, you know, a couple million instead of paying 37 million a year for Tom Brady, just because he's a big game, big name. And you don't know if he's going to be good at it or not. I just, I guess they're making so much money that they can, you know, as sort of a luxury to get that big name. But I don't think, I don't think they have to. It's just been really interesting to watch this sort of media arms race, um, just throwing money at all these big name celebrity broadcasters. 
Most definitely. Um, you know, but as you said, there's so much money around. Like Fox pays the NFL north of $2 billion per year to broadcast games. And I think that, you know, it's their most valuable TV franchise by a long run. And like you, it's almost like, like how much was Jerry Seinfeld making at the, at Seinfeld's apex? I don't know, like 20 million. Oh, I think they offered him like over a hundred million to do a 10th season, which he en- didn't end up doing, but he still makes so much off syndication. Right. <laughs> right. And that was a hundred million back in, uh, you know, the, 98. Yeah. the, right, the mid late nineties. Like, yeah. So who knows what it would be now? So I think that, they're thinking so now the NFL is by far CBS is the most valuable product, Fox is the most valuable product. So I think that it's almost worth comparing a guy like Tony Romo to Jerry Seinfeld, if you catch my drift, right? So I think that that maybe is part of the reason why you see all this. Yeah, and that's sort of what they're doing on ESPN with the Manning cast too, yep. because you know Peyton Manning, we all as soon as he you know finished his playing career. He'd been sort of like a colorful personality, been on hosted SNL, had been on tons of commercials. You just assumed he was going to do something in sports media. And he has, and it's been kind of a little different, just doing Definitely. like the ESPN streaming stuff with his Peyton's places and really setting his own terms by saying, we're not going to do a Monday night every week. You know, we're going to have fun and do it like a podcast and drink a little bit. And I'm just going to do it from my own, my own house or, or wherever in Denver um, instead of, you know, working this hectic schedule and traveling uh, for every big game. Last thing for you, Jesse, we're both East coast guys. Um, so we know a lot about Mike and the mad dog. I watched that 30 for 30, even though I'm a Boston guy, sports radio geek. So well aware of them. Uh, ESPN is planning a Mike and the mad dog reunion next week on first take. Um, but here's my question to you. And it's something I've talked about before. Do we, in our own Twitter worlds, do we overrate the interest and Mike and the Mad Dog, I think yes, because A, they last did a show together in what, 2007? So now we're like 15, 16 years removed from the last Mike and the Mad Dog. They're so regional. So I think, yeah, I don't know. It, this is something I think like gets a lot of buzz on East Coast sports media Twitter. But in terms of like moving the needle nationally, I just, I think we overrate how much people care. What do you say? Yeah, I, I don't know because I've always lived on the East Coast. Right, that's true. I, I grew up with those guys, so I don't know what the West Coast perspective is. Um, Mad Dog has sort of been introduced, reintroduced to a wider audience doing these Wednesday first takes with Stephen A. And one thing I, I will say about Mad Dog that I think is a little different than Francesa is Mad. I don't think Mad Dog takes himself too seriously. He's no knows right. he's playing an over the top, you know character or wrestling heel, heel, if you will, sort of in the realm of Stephen A or Skip Bayless. Um, and he, he's kind of in on the joke. And I think Francesa doesn't necessarily have that view of himself. I think he takes everything super seriously. I mean, people used to used to troll by, by calling into his show, sort of, you know, getting him to take the bait and he would fall for it sometimes. I, I am, I'm interested. I will probably watch same for the novelty of it just because and watching that documentary, we know they didn't have always, you know, the greatest relationship. They had falling outs, periods where they like wouldn't talk to each other off air. And I think, you know, the breakup with Mad Dog going to Sirius in 07 or 08 or whenever it was sort of rubbed Francesa the wrong way. So it's been it's been cool to see them kind of get back together, with, whether do certain reunions and autograph signings and conventions um, together the last couple of years. It'll be. Yeah, I, I think. 
I don't know if it's a story that'll like last beyond, you know, the 24 hour news cycle next Wednesday, um, which I believe is when it's going to be, but yeah, uh, just putting all, all those, you know, talents in the same room with Stephen A too, is going to be, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a fun, a fun day um, in sports media for sure. Most certainly. And we'll be writing about it. Uh, Jesse, thanks for the time. Appreciate it. Um...